Thank you, brother. All wonderful songs to not only lead us in worship, but prepare our hearts to further worship him as we hear his word preached. And as we begin with hearing his word read, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. You can either turn there in your Bible or follow on the screen that's behind me. Matthew chapter 6, we're going to be looking at verses 5 through 9 today as we begin our series on prayer. As you might recall, every January we start our year off with refocusing on prayer. This is what the Word of God says. And when you pray, you must not pray like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues, not the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they'll be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And we'll stop there for today because we're going to walk through the whole Lord's Prayer as this series unfolds. You can be seated. As you're being seated, will you also bow with me? Father, I need and I want your help to present the truth rightly. Lord, I pray as I've continued to pray this morning that you would please use your word to bless these people who will be hearing it. Lord, to motivate them to greater obedience. Lord, to also make us all more sensitive to our own sin. And Lord, give us grace to repent of those things. Help us also, Lord, to be more focused on you, loving you more, and being more willing and motivated and desirous to hand the truth on and pass the truth out and speak the truth rightly to other people that they may also be saved because there was a time when we were not in the fold. We were not in the kingdom either. Lord, someone, someone in obedience to you shared the truth with us and lovingly came alongside us. And helped us. So, Lord, please now help us to do that to others as well and use this text this morning to motivate and energize and help us all to be more like Jesus Christ in this world. And it's in His name that I pray. Amen. When I first met Amy back in 1996, it was easy to like her. And then it was easy to fall in love with her. And then it was very easy to want to constantly be around her. In that time, I had uh, my own phone in my room. I was, I was top notch. Uh, everybody has a cell phone now. It wasn't that back then. But I had my own phone in my room. So you can guess what I did for hours and hours late into the night talking to Amy on the phone. And honestly, a lot of my life at that time as a teenager started to revolve around Amy. And um, now I got saved years after that, and I understood, no, your life is to revolve around God. And Amy does fall in place under that. It's not that I loved Amy any less when I got saved. I actually loved her more, but I understood that God takes highest priority and highest love. But it was easy to want to talk to her because everything was so focused on her. It wasn't a burden. It was a joy. 
because so much was about her. I wanted to talk to her, and it made talking to her enjoyable and fulfilling as well. Now, why do I bring all that up? Because the title this morning for the message is a part of our series that I've titled A Simple Way to Pray. But I want to focus on this this morning. Prayer is about God. Ultimately, prayer is about God. And that's how the Lord Jesus and this prayer, this model prayer that he gives us, starts out focusing us on God. And I want to try to convince you that when your life is focused on and revolved around God, prayer actually becomes a lot more simple and a lot more enjoyable. Sometimes we don't pray because of what we make prayer. Where, when you're talking to someone that you love and talking to someone that your life revolves around, it's so much more simple. I rarely called Amy and thought, okay, okay, how am I, how am I going to do this? No, I mean, I rarely did that. I just, hey, how are you? And the, from there it went for hours and hours. So prayer can be like that too when our life rightly revolves around this God. I want you to notice in this text though, this is, a lo- this is part of a long sermon that Jesus preaches in Matthew 5 through 7. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. This, is, this lands right in the middle, the portion where Jesus talks about prayer. Now, he doesn't just jump right into it. He actually starts by telling them how not to pray. I don't know if you picked up on that. He said, don't do it this way. Now, that's really good for us. I kind of like, actually, when certain choices are removed from an equation because then it just leaves what the right choice is. Like, for example, you've seen that magic trick with the three cups, right? And there's a ball underneath. Imagine if I was doing that with you. Except there wasn't a ball underneath. There was a million dollars under one of those cups. And I mixed them all around, and I said, okay, the three cups are here, yes? All right. Well, the million dollars is not under this one on your right, and it's not under the one on your left. Happy choosing. You'd say, I think I'm going to pick the middle one. When I tell you what are not your options, or the way not to go, well, the way to go and the way to choose becomes so much more evident, yes? And that's why this is so good that Jesus starts off this way by saying, don't do it this way, because whenever you do that, then it helps the way to do it become even more clear. So I'm glad he starts off this way. He starts off with two very different types of people, though. He uses a bit of code for the first type of people, but we have read enough of the New Testament, maybe, and if you haven't yet, don't worry, you will, that we don't have to guess who he's talking about in verse 5. Look at this, verse 5. And when you pray, you must not pray like the hypocrites. Now, if you've read the Bible, even if you've been in the faith for even a year, you know who he's talking about, don't you? There was only one group of people in the Bible that he called the hypocrites. Did you know Jesus had his most harsh words for these religious elite people? He spoke the harshest words to them. It was this Poor, wretched sinners who knew they were poor, wretched sinners that he was so very kind to. It's the people that were so proud and puffed up. Those are the ones he shot straight with. Well, that's who he's talking about. These religious elite, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, these guys who think they're better than everyone else. They look down their nose and they say, ah, look how I'm dressed. Look what I do. Look what I eat and don't eat. Therefore, I'm better than you. 
And so he says, don't be like them. Don't pray like them. How do they pray, Jesus? Tell us. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners. Why, Jesus? That they may be seen by others. He tells us why they do it in those places. And he even told a parable of a man who did it in such a way that he said, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like other men, not like this poor, horrible sinner over here, loud, boastful. So everyone could hear and everyone could see so that people would go by and say, did you say, did you see Rabbi Joseph? Did you hear his prayer? And Jesus said, truly I tell you, they have received their reward. That was their reward. They got it. That. People saying, look how cool he is. That was it. It's gone. That was their only reward. They got it. Floated away. Just like all praise of men floats away. The praise of men is not enough to fulfill you ultimately or sustain you ultimately. It fades. Then he tells us something that doesn't fade. Look at verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your Father who's in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. What do we call rewards from God? We call them blessings, don't we? So what's the point? What's the point of verses 5 and 6 from our Lord Jesus? The main point is this. They prayed publicly for man's praise. Jesus says to pray privately for God's blessing. Don't pray for men. Pray to God. Prayer is about God. Don't pray publicly for man's praise. Jesus says pray privately for God's blessing. Now he tells about another group of people that we're not supposed to pray like either. A totally different type of group of people. Who's the group of people he's mentioning in verse 7? And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. Now these that's a whole other group, yes? Totally different from the religious elite over here. These would be Gentiles not praying to the one true God. These would be Gentiles praying to their God. See, these people that he's speaking to on the mount, the Sermon on the Mount, they would have been a mixed bunch. Jesus attracted a lot of attention from a lot of people, especially when you start placing hands on people and healing them miraculously. <laughs> People will come out for that. Are feeding them miraculously? People will come out for that. And so, a mixed bunch is here. A mixed bunch that have seen examples of prayer in their society. Anytime I throw words out at you, you're drawing from information from the past, your past experiences. You might say, oh, I've heard that word before. It means this. How do you know it means that? Well, because I learned it from this book, or my teacher taught me that, that, that this word means this, or I've heard it in so many contexts, I know what that word means. We draw from experiences, always, so without even knowing it. These people, when Jesus says, pray, they're going to be drawing from experiences. Oh, I've seen prayer. I've seen how Rabbi so-and-so does it. He does it on the street corner. So, so do that? And he's saying, no, 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 not like that. Okay, well, you know, I've seen these Gentiles pray, how they do, and he says, no, 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 not like that either. I'm going to reprogram you right now. I'm using a word, prayer, and you're drawing from your experiences, and I'm telling you, not like you've seen it done before. 
Remember when Jesus started teaching and the people said, listen to how he teaches with such authority, not as the scribes do. They said about Jesus so many times, we've never seen anything like this before. And that's what Jesus wants to do with us, with with them especially. He says, don't pray like these people. Pray how I'm going to tell you. But how do you say the Gentiles do it? Praying to their pagan gods, a lot like the pagan worshipers on Mount Carmel with Elijah. Remember the, the showdown on Mount Carmel with Elijah and the prophets of Baal? Quite wonderful what God did. God really showed out, flexed his muscles a lot there, didn't he? Well, how did the men try to desperately get Baal to bring fire down. They jumped around and they chanted and they chanted and they chanted a lot like these Gentiles are doing. Look what Jesus says. Do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. These are phrases that don't mean anything. How do we know that? Because Jesus tells us about their content. They're empty. Empty phrases. That's why... He calls them that because they have no substance to them. An empty phrase has nothing behind it. There's, there's, there's nothing behind the words. I was watching, oh gosh, years ago, I was watching one of these Dr. Phil shows. And it was one of those episodes that had the troubled teens on there. You know, these mouthy girls on there that are just wrecking their parents' lives. And they think they're awesome. They think they hung the moon. And so there's just one of this, you know, those mouthy girls on there. And the episode's all about basically like, hey, if you don't get straightened up, we brought Mr. Drill Instructor here. He's the leader at the camp for troubled youth where it's basically a military camp and we're about to send you there probably unless you straighten up. It was one of those episodes. So this girl's mouthing off, mouthing off, mouthing off, mouthing off for a long time. When she was done, the drill instructor said, you know, you talk a lot, but you don't say much. And that's what's going on here in these prayers. Lots of words, no content. Yes, they're empty. They're empty. Probably words of flattery. When someone's flattering you, which the Bible tells us not to do, by the way, what's their motive to get something from you? That's what flattery is. I'm going to puff you up. I'm going to tell you all these wonderful things about you that I don't actually mean. Because I want something from you. That's what flattery is. That's what it was invented for. To get something from you. With words that I don't actually mean. So they are flattering this God somehow, some way. Lots of empty words heaped up. They talk a lot. But they don't say much. That's how they prayed. With empty words to a false God whom they were only approaching for selfish ends. That was it. And so Jesus says in verse 8, these five words, do not be like them. The focus shouldn't be the number of your words. The focus should be the truth of your words. God already knows your needs, Jesus says. So just let your needs be known. That's his point. And there will be a time in the Lord's Prayer, we're going to see, for letting your needs be known. But that's not where Jesus starts. That's not where he starts. There is a point. We're going to get to that on week three about our needs. But today, Jesus starts somewhere else. Jesus starts, verse 9, by saying these four words, pray then like this. 
The word like is important because, notice he doesn't say, pray this. Now, is it a sin to just pray the Lord's Prayer? No, pray the Lord's Prayer. It's good. But what, it, what we call it, we call the Lord's Prayer a model prayer. Why do we call it a model prayer? Well, because of that word like. That's a very important word. Pray like this. We're not chained up to just the Lord's Prayer, to just only say it. However, I, did, I didn't know a lady when we were in um, language school in Costa Rica as we were getting re- ready to be missionaries. It was this older lady, and um, she felt like God was calling her to the mission field. And she was sharing with us that when she was very young, I think it was either her mother or grandmother told her, before you pray, pray the Lord's Prayer, then pray. And so she said, even to this day, I can't pray without praying the Lord's Prayer first. I say it, then I pray. <laughs> so... Is it a sin to start with it or even just say it? Heavens no. Heavens no. But it is meant to be a model prayer. He gives us a command there. Pray then like this. That is a command from our Lord. And as you know, any command that the Lord gives us has our good mind. It's for our good. We are such rebels in our hearts sometimes that anytime someone commands us to do something, we just want to automatically buck against it. Really? We're like that, aren't we? If you have an ice cream sundae in front of you, just the way you like it, somebody says, you better eat that and enjoy it. You have, part of you wants to throw it on the ground and say, no, because you told me to. <laughs> right? We are rebels through and through. Thank the Lord, those of us who've been saved, God's sanctifying us, Right? So know this about your Lord. When he commands you to do something, you might have an urge to buck. Fight against that. He means your good. Trust me. He means for your good. So when he says, pray then like this, how do we start off with our model prayer, Jesus? Our Father in heaven. Now let's stop there. You say, oh, this is going to be a long sermon. I mean, there's four words into this thing, and he's already stopping us. Goodness gracious. Don't worry. Every word of God is precious. Every word is a treasure. And you can sit on just this verse for a month and be fed richly. Our Father in heaven, he starts with the word our, our Corporate. He starts with corporate. He doesn't start with my father. He says, pray then like this, our father. Why? Have you ever wondered, why does he do the our thing? And not, because I don't usually pray like that. Father, help me with this and, and all that. My, when I say father, I'm, I'm talking like my father, aren't you, usually? Like me and you are talking right now. What's with the corporate talk? We're part of a family. We are a part of a family of fellow believers. I'm not the only one who talks to the Father. I'm not his only child. He's our Father. Even in this Lord's Prayer, Jesus makes sure to remind us that we're a part of a family, a community of believers. We all love the Father. We all want to talk to the Father. We all have access to the Father. Therefore, we live and we act and we pray as if we are all connected by means of this Father. This is so very important. 
we are reminded by the very first word to not to try to live our Christian life as lone ranger Christians. You were never meant to be a lone ranger Christian. We have tendencies to want to isolate ourselves. Again, it's part of that old nature. You have to fight against that. You were never, ever meant to be just me and Jesus, just me and him. No, you are part of a body children this morning were asking me those questions, you know, like, would you rather have this or this? My, my sister and I used to do it too, and one of the questions was something like, would you rather lose your leg or, you know, lose your ear or, your, or an eyeball? And one of those questions, and those are fun to sort of talk about, definitely not fun to experience. But the question was basically, don't you see if this happened how limited you would be? How limited do you want to be? That's essentially the question and those answers and those that's the answer to those questions, right? If you knock off part of the body, you're limited. You were never meant to exist alone. And this prayer reminds us we're not supposed to be alone. He's our Father. We're part of a family. We're part of a community. We're meant to operate in a body of believers. And that's the very first word reminds us He's our Father. We're in a family. And we can call Him Father through faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ through his death, burial, and resurrection. More about that in a moment. The next part of that sentence sentence focuses on the Father's location. Our Father in heaven. Almost seems redundant, right? Now, if if the Lord's Prayer hadn't been a a thing, would you pray that way? Now, it seems natural to pray that way. Our Father in heaven. It seems natural because you've heard it and you've heard it and you've heard it. But when I talk to Amy... When I call her, hey, sweetie at home, I don't, I don't do that, right? Do you? No? I mean, she doesn't call me that way either. Hey, hey, husband, in the church office, how's your day going? We don't do that. So why does Jesus spin those words? They almost seem like wasted words. You know, just as well as I do, every word that drips out of Jesus' mouth like pure silver is just that. Did you realize that every time he's speaking, every time he spoke, he was creating Bible? He was just creating it. That's how precious his words are. And so if he speaks a word, it is pure silver refined in a furnace seven times. It is precious. And so Jesus included this to show us where we have access to, I believe. Our Father in heaven, that's where he is. He's sitting on a throne. He is mighty. He created the heavens and the earth. But then also, we have, in me saying that, I'm speaking to the Lord of heaven, and he's in heaven. And I'm speaking to him in heaven. You know what that means? I have a direct line to a very the most holy place. When you pray, your voice is entering into heaven. Into the very holy presence of Almighty God, the maker of heaven and earth. My next question is this, how? How? How is that possible? You and I both know if you're even slightly convinced by what these words say about you. You and I both know we have no business in heaven. 
We don't. Not apart from Jesus Christ, right? In and of ourselves, criminals go where criminals deserve to go. And every single one of us is a criminal against God because we've broken his laws. What makes you a criminal? You're a lawbreaker. You've broken any of God's laws ever in your life? How about lying? Ever done one of those? Yeah. Cohen sure has. How about stealing? Unfortunately, yes. Your pastor was even fired for stealing once when he was 16 years old. Did you know that? He was not your pastor yet. Don't worry. (laughs) Uh, This is pre-salvation, Cohen. Not condoning stealing. We're lawbreakers. We've broken God's laws. Therefore, we should be defined as criminals against God. It's what we deserve. But we have access to the Father in heaven. How? Well, you might recall under the old covenant, there was a special meeting place for God and man. He designed it to be built a certain way. It was called the tabernacle. It was the meeting place between God and man. This is where I meet with you inside that tabernacle that later became a stationary place that we call the temple. There were two rooms in that place. One was called the holy place, and one was called the most holy place. And only one man could enter into the most holy place, the high priest, and only once a year, day of atonement, but he had to be carrying blood of an animal, a specific animal that was sacrificed in a specific way, and he had to be carrying that blood in a bowl. Why? Life for life, and the life is in the blood. Payment for sin is, say it, death. Exactly. There had to be a life paid for sin. And so he could only come into that holy presence with the blood. Listen to Ephesians 2.18. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. See it? That's how the high priest got into the presence of the most holy place without dying because he had no business being there. He was not holy. That sacrifice and faith in what God said to do all around that sacrifice made it so he could enter in because his sins had been atoned for based on that animal's shedding of blood. And his sins ceremonially passing to that animal. That's why he had to place his hands on the animal's head. It's like, they're coming from my heart onto this animal. Now we kill this animal. This all happens by faith when it comes to Jesus. Because none of us have placed our hands on Jesus now. But through faith, our sins are transferred to Jesus' account. And by faith, his righteousness comes to my account. This is how we get access into heaven. That's how we can even pray to heaven because Jesus Christ gets us there. Jesus is the one who gets us into the holy presence in heaven because of his finished work on the cross. And we by faith, get that on our account through repentance of our sins and faith in his finished work. And that's the only way. It's the only way God has made for man to be reconciled to him is through Jesus Christ. Listen to another verse in Ephesians Ephesians 3, 12. In Jesus, we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. He makes it very clear. It's through our faith in Christ and what he did for us. That's how we get access to the Father. So when we pray our Father in heaven, we can pray that way because Jesus gets us into this heavenly presence. Jesus said, 
No one comes to the Father except through me. Exactly. Only Jesus. I've said this before. I'll say it again. Christianity is by nature very exclusive. I know the world is big into, let's be inclusive. Yes, be inclusive in who you're kind to. Yes, be inclusive in all that. Loving people, yes. But the most loving thing that you can do for someone is to tell them the truth. That's the most loving thing that you can do for someone. And Jesus says, he is the truth. And he says, I'm the only way to the Father. There's one way to heaven. And Jesus made the road very narrow. Jesus made the road very narrow. So don't apologize for that. When someone tries to say, are you telling me that Christianity is the only way? You're so close-minded. What you then say is, no, I'm not saying that. Jesus said that. I call it the Jesus juke. You know what a juke is? Like in football? Someone thinks you're going to go this way and, you, and he, he runs right by you? You guys should trust me because you can tell I play a lot of football. <laughs> I've never juked anyone. I've seen some guys that do it really good. But I call it the Jesus juke because you're deflecting them and they go right to Jesus. You're saying, no, no, I'm not saying it. Jesus said it. So that way you're saying, no, no, no. You've got to understand your beef is not with me. You're all angry at me. Okay, that's, I, I do represent Jesus, but you got to understand what you're actually angry at is Jesus. That's who you're actually angry at because you have to make them face Jesus. Jesus is the one with whom they will have to do on the day of judgment, not you. So Jesus tells us how to begin. Hallowed be your name. I have access to the Father, praise God. How do I start? Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name isn't just another way of, of saying a statement. Your name is holy. That's not, that's not actually what he's saying here. Hallowed, by the way, children, hallowed is not a word that we use very much. Um, hallowed means something is holy. It's hallowed. Some people say hallowed. If you're old-fashioned, you say hallowed, right? To hallow something means to make it holy or for it to be seen as holy. And that's what we're actually saying here. This is not a statement. This is not a statement. Your name is holy. Not that. It's a petition. It's like a request. It's almost like saying, may your name be seen as holy. That's what it is. Hallowed be your name. May it be hallowed. That's what Jesus is telling us to start. That's how he's telling us to start. He's telling us to start by focusing on God and him being seen as holy. That's why I titled this again, Prayer is About God. We're basically saying to him, I want your name, that, ma- that name by which you're represented, that name by which you're known, I want it to be seen and understood exactly what it is. Holy. Special. Glorious set apart from all other names. There's no one else like our God. No one else like our God. Listen to what Exodus 15, 11 says. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? Who is like you, Moses said. And of course, the implied answer is no one. No one else is like God, can you think of anything or anyone better than God? 
And so that's why we should and would want to say, I want your name to be seen for what it is. I want, I want everyone to focus on you. I'm focusing on you now by coming to you in prayer. Why did he start here? Again, because prayer is about God. In God we live and move and have our being. Acts 17.25 says this, He himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. He's the reason you're even drawing breath right now. You've been breathing this whole time. You don't do it. We do it what we call subconsciously, right? And do it, even do it in our sleep. He's the reason you can even form sentences in your head and speak them with your mouth during prayer. It's all because God is giving you that life and breath and everything according to the book of Acts. I want to show you guys this wheel. Call it a a prayer wheel. It's going to help you. Use this prayer wheel to help you think about areas to, to pray for God's name to be made holy. Because there's so many ways that God's name can be hallowed in the world. Think about the first one there up on the top right. I've got the world. We might pray for God to use his missionaries in the world. Lord, I pray that you would please encourage and help and strength and support your missionaries who are out in the world spreading the truth so that your name will be known in the world. Lord, I, I, I pray that my unsaved co-workers who are in the world, I pray that I would be intentional about showing them that you're holy. Lord, I want them to come to know you. I want people in the world to know you, Lord God. I want them to be saved. Would you save this person? Save that person. I want them to see you for who you are, holy. Another way, my own heart. Lord, I might pray, may your name be made holy in my own life, God. Make me more sensitive to my sins. Those things that separate me from you and your holiness, help me detest them and help me come so much closer to you, Lord. Just like Moses, when you descended upon the mountain, he drew ever closer and closer to you. He wanted to be drawn to you. However, all the people of Israel were repelled by you. Why? Because of their sinful hearts. Lord, I don't want to be like that. So please, Lord, help me to be holy in my own life. Please help me to be a holy father and a holy husband, holy employee, Lord, so that I can be more like you, that your name can be seen to be holy in my What about my church? Now, I told you guys the reason why I am titling this series A Simple Way to Pray was because of Martin Luther, who 500 years ago had a barber who had unfortunately in a almost an accident, murdered someone and had to leave where he was from and come to another place. And he felt so horrible about what he'd done and that was causing him to want to draw closer to God and to be a better man. And so Martin Luther's, that was Martin Luther's barber at the time. And he wanted to pray more and he didn't know how to do it very good. So he's cutting Martin Luther's hair and he says, can you teach me how to pray? I want to pray better. Martin Luther at the time was an extremely busy man. Not only was he being hunted by the Catholic Church who hated his guts, uh, he was also teaching in university and, and, and these things where he was in a protected place at that time where he couldn't be gotten as long as he stayed in that town. So he was very busy. 
But he took time to write to this barber how to pray. And he used the Ten Commandments, the Lord's Prayer, and the Apostles' Creed as models and gave in a little pamphlet. Hey, this is how you can do this. And we've, that's been published since then, and it's been given the title, A Simple Way to Pray, which is where I'm getting the idea for praying through the Lord's Prayer. Let me tell you how Martin Luther prayed for that area, the church. This is right from that book called A Simple Way to Pray. Yes, Lord, dear Father, hallowed be your name, both in us and throughout the whole world. Destroy and root out the abominations, idolatry, and heresy of all false teachers and fanatics who wrongly use thy name in scandalous ways. Take it in vain and horribly blaspheme it. They insistently boast that they teach thy word and the laws of the church, though they really use the devil's deceit and trickery in thy name to wretchedly seduce many poor souls throughout the world, even killing and shedding much innocent blood, which is very true. We know a lot of the reformers were, were, were killed, really killed. And in such persecution, they believe that they render thee a divine service. So that was at the forefront of Martin Luther's mind during that time when the church was under attack, when he got to that part that said, hallowed be thy name. He said, I want your name to be hallowed in the church. Lord, push out false teachers. Encourage the flock. That's a great way to pray, that God's name will be hallowed in your church. And then lastly, in your own family. Because we know the devil is after the family. He wants to break it up. He's been doing that from the beginning. That's why he went to Eve instead of Adam in the garden. Instead of going to the head of the family, he went to Eve and tried to sneak in seductively and deceived her first. He's been trying to split things up from the get-go. So we might pray for our families by saying, may I show that your name's holy as I father my children and how I love my wife. May I show your name is holy. May your name be regarded as holy by what I allow my children or for those of you who have grandchildren, what I allow my grandchildren to be exposed to in forms of entertainment. May we, may we make sure that what we're seeing and viewing is not an offense to you, but it's holy. Lord, Guys, using the Lord's Prayer as a, as a model is so good. And, and, you, and you see how diverse it can be. You see what you can do just from hallowed be thy name. And these are just four sections that I could think of. There are a lot of other sections that you could add, a lot of other things that you could pray for, other areas that you could pray for God's name to be hallowed in that area. Yes? Might even be thinking of some now. So using the Lord's Prayer as a model, we begin our prayers with a desire that God be seen as he really is. That's, that's all we're doing. Hallowed be thy name because God is not only holy. The Bible actually says that he's holy, holy, holy. It's the only attribute of God that's taken to the third degree. He's never called faithful, 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 just, just, just. But he's called holy, holy, holy. And the fact that his name is holy means he expects something of those who are called by his name. Right? Leviticus 19.2, he says this, You shall be holy. Tell us why, Lord. Why? For I, the Lord your God, am holy. We will be so much more effective at presenting the Lord to others if we're also living holy lives. <laughs> Don't give any more 
ammo, don't give any more helps to the world who want to look for faults in the church. I've spoken to so many people that say, well, you know what, I don't go to church because let me tell you about what some pastor did once. I don't go to church because let me tell you about what somebody said to me at church once. Again, that's when you just do the Jesus juke and you say, but Jesus, but the word of God says, do not forsake the gathering together of yourselves. We know it's just an excuse. We know it's an excuse. I mean, people will find excuses not to come to church. I mean, I'm telling you right now. I talked to a guy once that said, well, I don't come to church because I don't have a watch. And, and so, I, um, so sometimes I don't know what time it is, and so I don't, I don't get there. So I got him a watch. Guess what? Guess what? He's never missed a day. And of course not. He never came. Because it's an excuse, right? So I get it. But you know what? We do give the world more ammo when we live unholy lives and we make Jesus look bad. If you're walking around saying, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. And then you're acting just like the world. I've had different people come to me and just lay out all kinds of problems and want help and advice because they said, I watch you. I see you at work. I see you walk away once the guys start telling dirty jokes. I see you not cussing. I, I see this and I see that. I think you're the real deal. Listen, I've got this problem in my life. What should I do? What an open door, right? And that's not me saying, look how awesome I am. No, it's saying, when you're like Jesus, people recognize that because the holy looks very different from the worldly. That's why people were so attracted to Jesus, because he was so different. Not because he was like, hey, you sinners, I'm going to be just like y'all. I'm going to talk like y'all. I'm going to act like y'all, and then I'll evangelize y'all. No, they were attracted to him because he was so different. And people will come to you when you live a holy life and say, I want to know about this holy God. They might not word it in that way. In conclusion, listen. Just as I found it was easy to talk to Amy when so much of my life was all about Amy, uh, make prayer more easy by making prayer about God. It's so much easier to pray to God when, when you make prayer about God. So much easier. It just flows out so much easier. So focus on his holy name being made holy in each of those areas around your life, and I promise you, you will find that prayer is much more enjoyable and much more simple. Make prayer about God. Father, we thank you that we even can pray to you. It's because of Jesus Christ. So I come to you in his name now, asking for help for all of us. Lord, help us to be a people who are called by your name and who are holy as you are holy. Lord, please help us to be very sensitive to our sin so that we can repent of it, so that we can confess it to you. Lord, your word says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, help us to be sensitive to those sins so we can come to you with them and say, please help me with this. I want to be more like Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen.